When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. It's BudPod198. 198. I am great because it was my birthday. Yes. Kind of. Two days ago was my birthday. I'm I'm an older boy now. I'm yep. wiser. I'm stronger. I'm faster. I'm smaller. I'm so tiny now. <laughs> I can I can fit into small crevices. Um because that's part of getting old. Yeah, I becoming am now like 30... a sort of crab. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or a salamander. Mm. Uh, or an octopus. And just slink through so tiny gaps. I am now thirty three, Pierre, my Jesus year. This is Yes. This, this is, your is the year one I finally chance. start preaching and get executed by the state this or is cancelled by twitter yeah uh, it's a, a modern uh, crucifixion <laughs> in many ways it's worse in many ways it's le- in many less ways civilized. it's worse <laughs> um yeah that's the kind of language that accompanies a bad online co- comic of people all looking at their phones and falling, walking off a cliff that makes you think genre. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. A sort of, um, yeah. A newspaper style cartoon where a, a kid who's too old for nappies is wearing a nappy looking at an iPad. <laughs> yeah. A big classroom where all the kids are wearing nappies and looking at iPads, and there's a teacher at the front, dressed as like a teacher from the Victorian era, like the Beano with like a mortarboard and a cape, and he's shrugging at the at the at the viewer like, "This is what kids are like. What are you gonna do?" And then and then you can see out the window that's a really beautiful day, and a lot of like animals running around, and a, there's a big lovely tree. Yeah, yeah. There's a confused and, like, a rugby coach that no one's playing on. There's a sports coach shrugging. Everyone's shrugging. They're all shrugging at the youth. But anyway, the youth is ever more a community I am not allowed to be a part of, Pierre. I'm slowly sneaking away from it. But I had a fun birthday nonetheless. I went to Athens in Greece for the weekend. You went to go see the um, the Oracle. I went to go see the Oracle to um, hear her advice on my upcoming battle with the Persians. Yeah. See what she has to say. Uh, it turns out I should funnel them into a narrow passage where their great numbers will count for nothing. Yeah. Ad- unusually specific advice from the Oracle this time. Very specific. Usually, the Oracles are like beware the two-horned beast for only when the final olive drops in may shall uh the salt return to ithaca yeah Uh, but she was just like you want to channel them into a narrow tunnel (laughs) (laughs) i think she's had enough after millennia of people misinterpreting her enigmatic advice she's now just telling it straight yeah she 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 starts every prophecy now with so apparently i wasn't being clear before (laughs) 
<laughs> so yes, I got some really good um, advice about so battle formations and shield overlapping techniques. But also, I got to have some time with some friends. Unfortunately, Pei, you weren't able to join. I could you not. Too busy. You're too busy being a wireless man on the wireless. That's right. Me and Frank Skinner and Emily Dean on Absolute Radio. My my commitment, which which isn't itself a podcast, but does spawn a podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From a your rival. head, like, like Athena from the Skull of Zeus. Yes, this is it. This is what you've been picking up on the ground in, uh, in Greece. It was great. It was really good. I've never been to Greece before at all, and I've always been a great lover of the Greek myths and of Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey and all this sort of thing. So it's Assassin's really great. Creed. Assassin's Creed. I did think a lot of the time when I was there, oh, it's like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> and because Assassin's Creed are really good at their research, there are bits where you go, oh, I've run up here. Like I've run up the steps to the Parthenon before. Yeah, this all looks right. <laughs> yeah, it's I went mad, to, isn't it? It's crackers. They're like they're, When they made the Egypt one, they they had a secret chamber in a pyramid that hadn't been like officially announced yet or something or or they'd guessed at it and then a couple of months later these egyptologists found the secret chamber in the pyramid but assassin's creed already had it, it they, really? they really do yeah 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 pretty crazy they really do is that <laughs> put the effort in. Is, is that why i saw that archaeologist on the news with that glowing set of armor <laughs> yeah he looked like he had plus 10 health, plus 20, maybe. <laughs> yeah. He was just yeah, he was just punching all the other archaeologists and, de- and <laughs> defeating them. He was defeating them all. The DLC archaeologist. We went we got a tour up the Acropolis. Mm-hmm. Um or as I kept singing, going we're going loco up in Acropopo. I sang that all day. <laughs> yes, good. Okay. In the um, heat. In the, well, I guess it wouldn't be that hot. <laughs> and you saw the Parthenon, um, and we went to the Parthenon Museum they have next to the Acropolis, where they have all the marbles that they kept. And yeah. they've, they've built a beautiful display on the top floor of their museum where they're basically recreating the layout of the friezes and the metopes and the pediments. And... It was a beautiful how many, museum. How many did they keep? Do they have quite a lot? Or do we they have They have all? quite a lot, Pierre. They have more than you think. Mm. They have more than you think. And this is part of the reason. And this is a Bud Pod exclusive, Pierre. And I know people <laughs> don't say this very much these days. But I've changed my mind. Ooh! I've changed my mind about the, the Elgin Marbles. I, I think they should be placed... In the Acropolis Museum in Athens with the rest. Ah, you want to fill in the gaps. This is it. Yes. Classic artist. You knew exactly what my main objective was. <laughs> yeah. It, yes. It's not that I think they should be in Greece because they're Greek. But I saw all these gaps. Yeah. And because you and I went to the British Museum a week before to see what yep. we have. I knew all the pieces are filled in the gaps. And it was so frustrating not to just be able to... Just click them in. Just and, and I so, suppose also you were looking at a more accurate representation of like a simulation of what it would be like, so a better hole for the gaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they put in these very white sort of recreations to fill in the gaps where the pieces are in the British Museum, and they're all yeah. these very passive-aggressive notes. Uh, that say <laughs> they all say um, temporarily unavailable. The very sassy. Uh, that's the funny. Yeah, <laughs> is there's there's not a guy taking your hand saying, uh, and and this is where we would put uh, this one if we had it, <laughs> like jabbing his finger at all the British people in the group with his, umbe- his umbrella. <laughs> and my so the main uh, the my main justification for this is my completionism. Yes. I think all the pieces should be together and they might as well be next to the Parthenon in the Acropolis because it's just the most completest version. It's just the most completest arrangement. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it was interesting when we went to the 
to the BM to look at them because I think I think my mind changed because of 3D printing technology. Uh huh. Because I thought, well, I don't own this. Like I don't care if it's an original Picasso, as it were. I just want to look at the rock, right? I just want to see what it looks like. And if we had a 3D printed version made of plastic or concrete or whatever you want, I could fucking lick it or whatever. I'd do whatever I want. Oh, I see. So you think the British Museum should have replicas that we can just go fucking crazy with? Yeah, it, it wouldn't matter. Like they could just... we. Every, the British Museum should scan them, which you can mm. do with that kind of scanning radar, whatever it is, like perfect imaging. You could sell that people that could have a Parthenon marble in there as part of a display in their garden. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is true. This is true. But then, is it worth having that in a museum? Is it worth having replicas in a museum when they just have to when they just get rid of the gallery altogether? But they've already got a replica of the Rosetta Stone. That's much easier to go look at because all everyone's crowding around the real thing just because it's the real thing. Yes. And they'd have to have something about ancient Greece. It's not like they're going to go, well, we've given those rocks back. Can't take it all down, boys. And all these like gr- ancient Greek professors are being like thrown in a big bin. But the thing, thing with the Rosetta Stone is they do also have the Rosetta Stone. But a lot of the purpose of the British Museum is they have the actual thing. So to have a display that is purely a simulacrum, I think would start to drift. It would drift the purpose of the British Museum away from from what it is. I suppose so. I mean, and soon it'll just then, be an escape room, Pierre, because everything ends up in escape room. <laughs> in, in Central Museum London, going to be yeah, it's just going to be an an ancient themed escape room in the middle of London. But that's but it, as long as it was themed so accurately, I'd be like, that sounds sick. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, um, as long cool. as it's like. It's the pedantic accuracy that won me over. The potential for pedantry. Whereas in the olden days, they'd be like, oh, we have a plaster cast. And he'd be like, well, I don't know about that. Could be right. Anything could have gone wrong. It's dangerous to cast things out of plaster. It, you can fuck up the original. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see what you mean. Whereas now, they just go, this is down to the fucking atom. A mm. perfect replica of this interesting thing. Like... When I was going and looking at them, I was interested in 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 the artistry and and how it looked and why it looked the way it looked. I didn't, as long as I could be confident it was a one hundred percent accurate replica. I didn't care if it was the original. Oh, mm, I did. I I think there's def there's a definite value loss if it isn't. Yeah, I suppose, but there's no educational loss. No, but but I think. I think that's a very the the right, right but the, the the purpose of the museum is not just education. It's um. It's about marvel, right? It's about uh, well, I suppose, but I think that's where it it shifts from from. From history and academia and 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 understanding humanity to just bog standard tourism. Well, but it is part tourism. I mean, the British Museum is part museum but mainly it's a collection really the british museum is a collection and you don't collect replicas but the trouble is that like i i think they can have the replicas for someone who's interested in that but they've got so much stuff underneath that they never display oh yeah i'm I, so I, i'm i'm just saying i don't think there's any point in doing a replica display of the path and the marbles in in the british museum that's all I'm saying. I think they should yeah. repurpose the room. I think they should put other shit in there because, like you say, there's so much stuff that is in is in storage. I think they should have replicas and then either bring them out every now and then, or I don't know, have a uh, move it to a back room or whatever. Because I think, I think it, it it's still it's still worth it. Maybe they could yeah. make it a better reproduction if they just did a full scale reproduction. Scan the ones in Greece. That would be very funny if the British Museum returns the Ilgen marbles and then builds a full-scale 3D printed perfect replica of the full yeah. Parthenon. And do it as it would have been, so it's actually better. Yes. Yes, with lit braziers inside and an enormous statue to Athena. Yes. 
there can only be one winner. Out of all our celebrity guests, our celebrity contestants, who will take the final incredible prize? You're all here to compete for one of the biggest privileges in this line of work, yeah? Because from all of you, right, we've gathered you all together, you're going to host a new show. If you win, where you get to pick the new hosts for the next Great British uh, show, yeah? So all of you are a bunch of celebrity hosts. We've got Paul Hollywood, uh, Matt Lucas, um, Mel and Sue, um, Greg Davies, the other one, um, Alan Sugar, yeah, Anton Deck, you're all here. And we're going to make you host things to see who the best hosts are. Right? If you win, you get to host the competition that will find the next hosts for the great... What, which one is it now? The Great British... It's not that, is it? That's a, that's a Halloween special. Cocktail. Cocktails. Right, it's cocktails. We've decided. Uh, you'll host the Great British co co Cocktail Off. Shake, shake Off. Shake Off. Right, that's it. Shake Off. Because you can shake a cocktail. That Done. Right. Um, get hosting. Yeah? You've got ten minutes left to host. And the winner will host the... I've explained it. Good luck. Uh, good luck, hosts. Okay, ten minutes left to host. Timmer's left to host, everybody. Plus, if it was replicas, we could see what they look like painted. Oh, well, this was the other gr amazing part of the Acropolis Museum. So I didn't know this, but before the Parthenon, there was the pre-Parthenon, which Ooh. was... It's like a, a thinner, a more runny version of the Parthenon. But you can still get pregnant from it, Pierre, so you have to be careful. <laughs> you can still praise Zeus from it. You better watch out. <laughs> um, it was much. It was bigger than the than the Parthenon. It was, and it was still under construction eh? when it was even bigger. It was even bigger, but it was under construction when the Persians attacked, and so um, uh. it was never finished. And then when the Persians stopped. Uh, attacking they built the normal parthenon they gave up on the pre-parthenon but the pre-parthenon they're all the statues that came off of it were buried un under the soil on the acropolis which protected the paint so they <sighs> have all these pre-parthenon sculptures which are oh even older than the parthenon sculptures and they have paint left on them there's snakes with like colored scales and um got um priestesses with colored red hair it's amazing, and this paint has been on there for two and a half, three thousand years. Wow! And is the are the colors like incredibly gaudy? Because I had read that they must have been at the time, but they they're sort of muted and faded. That now they're oh, very tasteful. They're obviously muted now, but I mean, you can still see the the choices that were made. Where it's like, well, I don't know why it wouldn't go purple, red, purple, like. Ugh. <laughs> Well, purple would have been very expensive and basically impossible yeah. to find, right? But um, there's a lot of red and blue and some green. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, it wouldn't. It would have been gauche for sure. Yeah, but it was still very cool to see all this. That was the main thing, Pierre, about being there, being walking around the Parthenon in the same place it's been for two and a half thousand years. All the shit that's happened, and those rocks were in that place, in that position, just sat yeah. there. All the Hanging sunrises out. and sunsets it's seen, all the rain that was that's washed off it, all the wind that's blown through it, all the time, all the things it's seen, the world wars, the industrial revolution, the start of Islam, the start of Christianity, start of what Judaism. It's the all those things happened, and those rocks were stood there. That roof was standing. Crazy. It's it I couldn't get mad. over it. I could not get. I think I think it's the oldest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't. I can't think of what all the. It's how old is Stonehenge? Uh it's Bronze Age, so it it certainly is in the running. So is, is Stonehenge older than the Parthenon? This is the real World Cup. <laughs> the Parthenon is thought to be older than Stonehenge. Really? Uh, the Parthenon is also older than the pyramids. That's surprising. I thought the pyramids were older. I think it depends which ones. Well, what do we mean by Parthenon? The Parthenon is um, 
it's that set of uh I suppose it's it's tough because like you said there was a pre-site and and wait this is too old the Parthenon's not this old mm, I, th I think people this, yes this, this isn't correct this Parthenon comes right off this isn't correct at all look we're getting into the weeds here so Stonehenge and is yeah 3000 to 2000 BC I think yeah, that that's older than the Parthenon. Okay, so Stonehenge is the oldest building I've ever seen. Can you call it a building? Um, yeah, it's been built. That's right. It was built. That's right. By good, proper British builders, Pierre. Proper okay, so British <laughs> builder. Proper British building. Yes, okay, so Parthenon 500 BC? That's right. Yeah, 500 BC. There we go. Um, yes, okay, so Stonehenge is, is you know, t about two and a half thousand years older than that. Bronze Age, very old and mysterious. Um, oogly boogly. Oogly but now boogly. hang on, Phil. Oogly, very oogly boogly. That's what I said. That's what I say whenever I see anything from the Bronze Age, because it's so mysterious. The Iron Age, you know where a man, a man knows where he is with iron. But with bronze, I don't know. There's a lot of creepy shit from that era that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Phil, what I want to know, what why your impressions of Greece, the modern nation you'd never been? Oh, my impressions of Greece, the modern nation. Was it just um, Italy with lamb? <laughs> um, I, liked, I liked the Greeks. The food yeah. is good. The wine is good. Um, it's all a little more. It's a little rougher, I guess. It's just a little yeah. rougher. Um, but very easygoing, I thought. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't really have all that much to enough really experience with with Athens, the modern city, to know for sure. Although on it's the always final seemed very chaotic to me. It is kind of chaotic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the I mean, you know, what does strike you is that it's not as economically strong as yeah. the rest of Europe. Uh, and you kind of think, oh, God, is, is this where Britain's heading? Are all great <laughs> empires destined to end up like this eventually? Yeah. Uh, but on the whole, I thought it was pretty chill. The people were nice. The food was good. On the final night, Pierre, my friend Elsa and I, we went to this bar, which was um, one of the 50 best bars in the world. There's this ranking of the 50 best bars in the world. And we went to one which had a Negroni that in 2019 was one uh, best cocktail in the world. It was pretty what? good. Yeah, best cocktail in the world. And then we looked up the 50 best bars in the world and three, including that one, were in Athens. And we went, really? fuck it, and we went to all of them. So we went to all three bars in athens that were the best in the world i've i've never done that before i've never been to three of the 50 best bars in the world in a single night it was really fun in the last one there was a drag greek orthodox priest djing that was fun <laughs> he was great <laughs> but he I wasn't a favorite. real priest no, well he was a he was a priest of the beats and that's all that mattered to me that's true yeah okay he was a priest of rhythm in the church of sound <laughs> i've realized i think i think male to male drag is my favorite genre of drag oh okay, interesting okay so there's a guy not... dressed up as a guy but in a drag but with crazy makeup on yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Oh. and i suppose sort of i guess what i guess i guess an element of drag is sort of making fun of a authority in some way right or being sort of um anti-establishment in some way so i guess you'd have to yeah. choose you'd have to choose a man who in some way is of a higher authority than you and so he chose a greek orthodox priest interesting okay and were there any jokes or was it just sick uh, sick beats it was just sick beats and then got a photo with him after had a little chat he used to live in camberwell he was nice 
That's amazing. But now, hang on. This Negroni fill. Oh yeah. It was just fine. This is one of the. This is the best cocktail in the world. <laughs> it was really good. It's called an Aegean Negroni. It was like fluorescent blue because they use some blue curacao or something. And oh, a single okay. cube of ice and a single leaf placed on the cube. It was very very nice. It was perfectly balanced. That's the thing about Negroni. It can be too sweet or too bitter, or whatever. This was perfectly balanced. But they had another drink, which was a gimlet. It was a Greek salad gimlet. And they, they managed somehow to simulate the taste of a Greek salad in a drink. What? What? Yeah. yeah. So it was tangy. It tastes a bit like green pepper. There's a bit of olive oil in it. And they they coated the glass with yeast. So it tasted like you're having a bit of bread with it. It was really so good. Really Coppolis. Willy Wonkopolis, the Greek <laughs> chocolate. Willy Wonkopolis, yes. Wonkopolupos, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I always wonder how they judge these things because, like, if let's say I'm the judge for the cocktail awards of the whole world. Yeah. I presumably live in America um, mm-hmm. or maybe you, France. You almost certainly wear suspenders and a trilby. I wear suspenders and a trilby. And um, you and you c- complain about women um, not liking nice guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're always saying that yeah. women don't like nice guys, and they like their <laughs> and they like their cocktails too sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do you just fly to Athens and get battered for what a fucking month? I guess so. I guess they must get like a tip off after uh, as to which bars are good. I mean, it, it's, it's clearly not a perfect process because the second bar we went to was fine. It was fine, and I was like, tip off- "This this bar is meant to be better than what millions upon millions of bars in the world." Uh, it was fine. There's a, a tip off from like a tramp. I mean, like a mad alcoholic. <laughs> this is a good one. Like, I gotta text the awards. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Who's doing the tipping? And after a while, like. Do you just fly? To, you, you just go. Well, I'm really, I'm really tired from my flight, so I've got to have, I've got to go have seven Negronis now. I hope some of them are memorable. <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah, and I don't really know how you. Cause surely there's a point in the night where drinks are nicest, depending on how much alcohol you've had. So yes, yeah, a benefit of where your bar is placed in this judge's uh, schedule. Right, you would you would have to plot the scores on a sort of curvature graph to account for that. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe a log- logarithmic scale or something. Exactly, yeah. So the the bars in the middle uh, get a handicap mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of like be- most satisfying, and the bars at the end are just like completely unreliable. The final bar, Pierre, had a again a gimlet cocktail yeah with which had gin they'd infused themselves with blue cheese it was blue cheese infused gin oh <laughs> that was my that was my inst- um first reaction too and yeah. then i tasted it and it was one of the it was maybe the nicest cocktail i ever had in my life it was so good did it, it was, was it just amazing. poured into your mouth through someone's feet <laughs> <laughs> yeah someone's got to our, our body parts lewis drink idea i'm afraid yeah well what was it the was cocktail really good um it's like it's a just blue filled with gin- like just gimlet. jacob's crackers yeah yeah i was dunking crackers in it uh i'd uh i instead of sipping it i'd, I'd stick a knife into it and scoop some out and then wipe it on my tongue <laughs> But no, it was a really good trip. It was great to see the old world because I thought this is my Jesus year. I should, I should sort of. I don't have to go full ancient world. Well, this is the ancient world. I don't have to go full Middle East, but I'll fly yeah. towards the Middle East and and see something really old. Yeah, you'll you'll do um, Saint Paul among the Ephesians or something. Some. Eh? One of the bits of the Bible where they go and tell the Greeks that Jesus was a cool guy. Oh, yeah. But whenever they say the Greeks, they actually mean par- parts of modern Turkey. They don't mean Greece. They just mean all the Greeks that lived in Turkey, the Anatolian Greeks and so on. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of um, there was a lot. There was a quite blurry lines there back in the day between them Turks and them Greeks. Yeah, well, the Turks just weren't there at that point. Oh, 
Um, they hadn't quite arrived. That's why um, every year, whenever sort of like the very worst kind of like Twitter sort of, and I'm saying this as a Remainer, the very worst kind of Twitter Remainer type person will be like, uh, oh, St. George's Day. You mean that Turkish bloke? <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't Turkish. He was an Anatolian Greek. So they just, you know, doesn't make any sense what they're saying. It's not historically accurate. If you're going to try and smugly do it, I mean, if if you're really assuming that the person was a racist who you're taunting in your own mind, then they should be just as annoyed about a Greek, I suppose. But They're very annoying like that about Paddington Bear. That's become the new <laughs> St. George. I don't know if, you've been, if you're aware. But people yeah, are like, true. oh, you love Paddington? Well, wait till you find out. He was an immigrant from Peru. <laughs> well, our country sure is welcoming to to immigrants when they're cute bears with marmalade. But when they're people, it's like, shut up, man. Shut up. It's a cartoon. Shut up. It, yeah. Like you're just the other side of the coin of those serial killers who are leaving marmalade sandwiches jammed onto the gates at Buckingham Palace. Because also- a different person had died. Also, people always forget that Paddington's from Peru. People aren't thinking about that because they made his voice English. If he came he's up with a, a Peruvian accent... He's incredibly if, English. <laughs> if, if, if Paddington had a Peruvian accent in his <laughs> cartoons, he wouldn't be successful in the UK, <laughs> a country with basically zero Latin Americans. He wouldn't be successful, successful at all. So it isn't like people are aware... Also, like, the whole joke, the whole reason Paddington has to be from Peru is because no one in the UK knows fuck all about Peru. <laughs> it wouldn't work if he was from Germany because they'd go. They, we have associations with that, whereas it's like the perfect country to, <laughs> to use to kind of baffle children into accepting exotic otherness. It's kind of like Timbuktu. I'm always, I'm always yeah. astonished when I remember Timbuktu is from in Africa. Yes, I'm like, yeah. Africa. It feels like I always assume it's like in from Tibet or the Himalayas yeah. or something. <laughs> yes, or South Some America. Some of the lot of temples. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I you love know, the Mali. idea. Of- <laughs> Timbuktu is in Mali. Oh, all right. There's a I love the idea in, of pa- is it Somalia or Ethiopia? It's in Mali. It's in Mali. No, no, but there's a similar city with um, a name like that. Oh, I can't remember. You mean Wagadugu? Oh, no, no. Timbuktu. Timbuktu. Maybe it is Timbuktu. Maybe I'm just thinking of Timbuktu. Timbuktu is in Mali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. But there, there's a similar uh, city in either Somalia or Ethiopia that has a a name that sounds to me Himalayan, and I always picture a Himalayan country. Mogadishu. But, no, no. I can't remember. I love the idea of Paddington being like, "Marmalade is very nice." Yeah, his family wouldn't have, wouldn't have adopted him if he spoke like that. They'd be like, sorry, I don't have anything. They would just, we'd just keep walking. They'd be like, sorry, I don't have cash. Sorry, they, you know. But because he's like, hello. Oh, I've, I was just wondering if you might possibly... That's what makes him palatable yeah. to the British public. Yeah, if he'd, if he'd been like some sort of... Uh, like a character from fucking San Andreas. Eh, puto. Like some <laughs> insane Mexican stereotype. Uh, Do you think they would have let a German bear live? I would like to live in your house. <laughs> well, yeah, he's Ma- creepier. The closest we get is Madeline. You know Madeline, that little French girl that sometimes kids in England read about? Oh, yeah. Yes. What, like with a little straw boater hat or something? That's it, yeah. And she's an orphan, because there has to be something some, something horrible has needs to have happened for a British child to be interested. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's the same way that British sitcoms work. They have to be horrible. Everyone's life in a British sitcom is just the worst it could be going. It's so grim. <laughs> well, speaking of grim lives, we should read some correspondence, I think. <laughs> <laughs> grim uh, fecal lives. 
Ring letters, emails, emails, phones, Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Oh, this, well, I can't believe I didn't mention this. So, um, Pierre, um, in Greece, the plumbing is is so bad. Yes, I've you, heard you, you, you can't say it, say it, say it. You can't flush toilet paper. Insane. You can't flush toilet paper. Every toilet in Greece has a bin next to it and you wipe yourself and you put the tissue in the bin. Pierre. unacceptable in the bin astonishing astonishing i i i i i the relish with which i flushed toilet paper on the plane home was <laughs> i wanted to kiss the toilet it's like that's on it's the plane. good to be back that's on a plane the plane's not the, the toilet on a plane is better than every toilet in greece i i was i was <laughs> <laughs> I was amazed by that. Everywhere you go, public toilet, rest- toilet and restaurant, there's a bin next to the toilet. You wipe your you wipe your ass with tissue, then you open the bin. The most frightening experience of your life, by the way. Oh, and, opening the bin, just knowing it's full of... Oh. The bin is invariably stuffed with tissues. <laughs> oh, God. Famed for their fluffiness, remember? Yeah. Famed yeah. for their expansive properties. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just have to kind of find a little nook to place your shitty little bit of toilet paper in all the whole while trying your absolute best not to touch anyone else's morsel of tissue paper. It's astonishing. I've never had anything like this. God. Malaysia doesn't like this. You can you can flush the the lural in Borneo, but you can't in <laughs> you can't in the birthplace of Western civilization. It's extraordinary. What I mean. You can't treat having a shitty ass like having a runny nose, Phil. <laughs> that was you it. can't I say, see, I, I actually, I'm I just going to blow my ass and then. <laughs> I didn't even blow my nose because I was like, it doesn't feel right to put these things together. Yeah, yeah. Near the twain should meet. Yeah, surf and turf. Yeah, well, a bit. <laughs> A big bin full of bum wipes is the sort of thing you'd collect up for a juvenile prank. <laughs> it was very gross. It was very gross. Um, and that's something I won't, I won't miss. But no. I, oh, man. I didn't see yeah. that in the Acropolis. No. No. Um... Yeah, so that was that was a, that was a revelation. I didn't know that. I didn't know anywhere was like that. No, it's I've heard that, and it's always it's always put me off. It, uh, uh, and as you say, a shocking, um, a shocking uh, gap in a country full of people who eat lamb every day. It's like Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> Just yam and yo- lamb and yogurt all every day. <laughs> 
and you have to <laughs> you have they're to like make a, a personal collection of shitty toilet paper. They're like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking speaking of challenges, Phil, we got an email from Jonathan. Jonathan, um, what's wrong, Ethan? What's wrong, Ethan, Jonathan? That's good. Um, he says hello, poo buds. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. I've been working my way through the podcast in the last few weeks of term and have managed to listen to 61 episodes in such a short time that Bin Bags Day, Bum Bum Life, and Koji have forced themselves into my vocabulary. Doctors do not recommend. Physicians do not recommend, apart from Andy. <laughs> um, in fact, thank you for the Kojis to the people who saw me in... I've immediately forgotten where I was. Where was I? Interesting. They coded your memory away. Did they code you my like memory that, that flashlight to bits? Yeah. They Big Penny Social. Big Penny ah. Social. Um, anyway. Um, they've all forced their way into my vocabulary, which is dangerous when standing in front of a class of high schoolers because I'm a teacher in Australia. Ah. Yeah. I'm a teacher. How am I supposed to do work now? I'm saying bum bum life all the time. Yeah. Bum bum life? <laughs> bum bum life. You're gilded having a bit cage? of a beanbag's day? What's a gilded cage? <laughs> Class, what's a gilded cage? Class. Your project, you've got to go home and ask your parents if they know. <laughs> because I don't get it. <laughs> So, he says, I also must say my drives to and from school have become more enjoyable and poo-filled than I ever imagined they might, so thank you for that. Wonderful. Pleasure. 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 <clears throat> I have a poo story that goes back to my gap year. Oh, fantastic. Let's uh, hear it. it Where do Australians yeah. go for the gap years? Um, they Australia? Tend to they should be bartenders in the UK, traditionally. Ah, right. Oh, yeah, of course, because they get like, was it two years or something or a year? Yeah. yeah. It's either something like that or, or just, I don't know, I guess just Thailand. Right. Um, as a precursor, I'm neither of the two main characters, but a bystander. Ah, in the story, I see. Yeah. During my gap year, I spent several months in a college-type location. Vague. Interesting. <laughs> College type location. That's an that's that's an off brand university. That's like Yeah. A pirated university that hasn't bought the rights to university. Um <laughs> where a college based location. We're a college type location that offered degree like qualifications. We're a college type location. Uh, I spent several months in a college type location where skills in leadership were taught to those from different communities from around the world oh it's like the ninjas that train Batman it's quite Illuminati-esque yeah you've been gathered here to learn how to lead the world how to lead lead your fellow man fear the human love to glory during this time, we lived in dorms of four people, two sets of bunk beds per room. Hmm. Okay. And naturally, as a large group of 18-something-year-olds, dumb ideas and pranks ran rampant from corridor slip and slides, BB gun fights, to the infamous poo-in-a-bag trick. Oh, trick. I like yeah. a trick. This prank started when one person from a neighboring dorm decided it would be a good idea to place tea bags inside the shower head. Right. Okay. So okay. You, screw, you you screw off the shower head, put a tea bag in, so then the water comes out as tea. Yeah, that's quite funny. Yeah, uh, not so bad. But this continued back and forth between rooms for two weeks, in which a range of objects were found inside shower heads: tea bags, tomatoes, Brussels sprouts, and meatballs. No, I don't like this move towards perishables. <laughs> I really don't. Mm. Ugh. Finally, one of the pranksters had had enough. He decided to end it once and for all. And so he deposited his poo into a paper bag and sneakily went into the other dorm room and placed the bag of brown underneath the bottom bunk in the space below. 
Oh, I thought it was going to be in the shower. Yeah, head. I thought it was going in the shower head. I was sure it was going in the shower head. Maybe that was just too much like biological warfare. Yeah. Um. Anyway, and when the other dorm group returns, cholera. <laughs> that's just going to. That's just going to. I'm going to blind die. people with my feces. Haha! <laughs> 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 Got you. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> When the other dorm group returned, they noticed a smell, but just assumed it was coming from the toilet that all four of them had to share, so they sprayed the bathroom and left it. The next day, the smell was there, and much, much worse. Mm. The blame then fell onto one of the dorm members, as he was told he needs to shower, because it was fucking disgusting. Mm. I feel for that guy sometimes. If I recall correctly, he showered four times that day. Wow, imagine being... So stinky. So so definitely the smelly guy that people don't even think oh maybe he's one of the rest of us it's like no you haven't showered enough he's definitely you go back in and to be so smelly yourself that even you believe that and shower four times to get rid of your stink (laughs) to believe it yourself is so bad yeah that's so weird it usually comes off by now (laughs) sorry guys yeah usually give it another go sorry Sorry, guys, usually after the second shower, I stop smelling like shit in a bag. (laughs) Which is obviously a much worse thing to smell of than human sweat. Mm. Um, Mm. Eventually, the smell became so bad that all the dorm room members were required to move out to a different dorm for a night or two. The next day, the bag was found by one of the dorm members as he braved the smell to fetch some clothing. Ugh. The stink has got in the clothes. <laughs> the stink's got in. The stink's got in. Sausages. <laughs> Upon realizing what it was, so this guy discovers the poo. Yeah. He beelined for the bathroom, collected some disposable gloves, and then snuck into the room of the poo depositor. Okay, okay. Here we go. He opened the wardrobe of the perpetrator and the paper bag of now very dry shit. Ugh. And proceeded to spread it through all the socks and underwear <gasps> drawer of the original pooer. Wait, how did he know it, he this person was the pooer? This is my question. Did he sign his work with a sort of debonair playing card or something? Yeah. Did he Unclear. Hmm. Um, but spread it all the way through those drawers, much like when you're spreading potting mix around a new favorite plant. <laughs> all right, lots of dusting. You're like, yeah, sprinkling. Yeah. It's fair to say the prank war ended that day, and the original prankster also needed a new set of clothes, which on a gap year program was an expense he had not budgeted for. Right. So the 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 shit spreading onto the socks and pants, very much the Hiroshima and Nagasaki of that particular war. Yeah, it was the moment yeah. that everyone went. Okay, all right, this has gone a bit too far. Now we should probably but, stop. Now there's a guy. You know what happened, Phil? Is that guy went to the Oracle? Ah, yeah. and he said, "I want to end this prank war on my terms." And here's my plan: Will this end the prank war? And the Oracle said, "Yes, it will end the prank war." You must sprinkle the soil of man onto uh, um, onto clean linens. Only then will the um, the shower heads be free of meat and tomatoes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. Because the the oracle said the prank war will be ended by your shit. <laughs> Like um, Thingy going to the Oracle saying, and the Oracle saying, I predict a great victory, but not saying whose. Oh, yes. Was it Z- who was that? Xerxes? Leon- Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. As a side note, he also attaches a craft beer uh, from his local bottle shop that's uh, Yuzu Koji Rice Lager. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, because koji is so a, koji nice. is a an ingredient in sake. Koji is an ingredient and a name, which we get tweeted quite a lot. Ah, beautiful name for a girl, koji. 
I think it's a guy's name. There's a show, someone in Koji. Oh. Well, I'm You don't see the tweets. My, this I'm, is the thing. I'm going to call my daughter Koji. In, in, thank you, Jonathan. That was Jonathan, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, I hope everything is going well down under. And I don't just mean your ass. <laughs> thank you for that story. It's I do. Detail. Pierre does. I don't. Hey, another Antipodean news, Pierre. Um, yes. <laughs> what's her, her? What's her face? Um, Mrs. Honey from Matilda. Uh, oh yeah. Everyone's the world's the world's Mrs. Honey, Jacinda Ardern. She um. <laughs> yes. She quit. She up and quit. She's gone. Yeah. She's gone. She says she's well, run we... out of fuel. She's she's nick she's nickered. She's nicked. She's she's absolutely fucked. She's pooped. <laughs> um. Well, we we'll have to save our hot takes on Arden for the for the VIP zone. Yes, that's just a little taster there. Um, so do sign up to the for Patreon a, for a for, for a podcast like service for podcast type uh, production. Um, yeah. But uh, until next time, um, oh, I get tickets to Budpod Live. March 14th. Budpod Live. Yeah, March the 14th, Leicester Square Theatre, London, Budpod Live. Uh, still some tickets left for my extra dates in Soho. Still tickets left for Phil's tour, probably. Yes. Um, yes, good. Okay. See you all soon. Much love. And send the marbles back to Athens. I'm sick of saying this. <laughs> they want it. They, they want it. They want it. They want it. <laughs> all right, bye. <laughs> Bye. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Mogentarder. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætte af alle de der podcaster, forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.